I want to show you something. This notebook, it's just for Wednesday night. I have a notebook for Sundays and a notebook for Wednesday. And all this is the book of James. That's been a blessing to navigate through that together with the church. And we're closing in on the home stretch. And I'm a little saddened because it's been so enjoyable. And I say that from my perspective. I don't know about your perspective. From my perspective, it's been truly enjoyable. But we've got tonight and then one more and we're done. So you're like, thank goodness, preacher. You took forever. Let's turn to James chapter 5 and see what we can tackle tonight. Probably out of all the messages in five chapters of James, I may be most excited tonight about this one. We're in James 5, starting in verse 13. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Scripture says, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That sentence for emphasis. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. May we be seated in God's house tonight. Title of my message this. Availing much. That's what I want us to meditate on. We begin our meditation with the question of verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Your scriptures say, is, is any one of you in trouble? That word means, is anyone in a hardship? I would ask this question. Is anyone not experiencing a hardship? That's most appropriate. Basically what he's saying you're all going to have problems. You're most likely already in a problem. <laughs> Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. <laughs> well, we're pretty much in some way, shape, or form. There's a hardship. We should pray. That's basically what Scripture is saying. Don't get worried. Don't get stressed out. Your first resort, your first response should be to pray. I can't remember where I heard this, but maybe it's been a TV show. The guy said, listen, if you hear any problems, call the 9 to the 1, hit the second one twice. <laughs> that was the response. 911. What's our response in trouble? Prayer. Prayer is the 911 helpline. Prayer is emergency response. But then he says, is anyone happy? Is anyone Cheerful. Can I ask this? Is anyone happy tonight? Show of hands. We're not always happy. 
Heather is always happy. There's certain people that their smile just bothers you a little bit. It's like, why is she so happy? Heather's like that. And it bothers in a good way because I always want that. Is anyone cheerful? You know what the response is? Let them sing praise. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He says, if you're sick, fast and pray. If you are well, fast and pray. If you have a financial need, fast and pray. He says the response for any issue in your life is turning to God. Whether you're in trouble or whether you're happy, it should be going to God as the response. But sometimes we do one or the other. Sometimes, yeah, we go to God and in trouble. But then when our lives are good, we forget Him a little bit. He's saying we need to go to God both times. If you're sick, go to God. If you're happy, go to God. Both should point to Him. I want you to do me a favor. I'm more than willing, as a friend, as a pastor, to be here when anyone needs me. But sometimes just call and say, Pastor, I'm happy. And let us both sing songs of praise together. We should be sharing with one another when we're happy. Not just when we have problems. We shouldn't call the person in our Sunday school class just because there's a problem. We should call them and say, hey, Miss Donup, I just want you to know today I'm happy. And that encourages somebody. Because if someone else is happy, if Brother Charlie's happy, that's going to make me a little happy to hear about it. We should share both of those things. What happens when you buy a new computer and you can't figure it out? You call technical support. God is the technical support for life. Call the helpline, if you will. So is anyone in trouble? Is anyone happy? And then he says this, is anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. The Pentecostals use this verse all the time. But the Baptists like to tuck it away in the sermon archives. Can, I be, can we be honest for a minute? But you see, I, I tend to believe if Jesus meant one scripture, he meant the others too. I tend to believe if he meant the ones about going out and evangelizing the lost, that he also meant the ones about praying over the sick. And this word sick, it doesn't, it's not just limited to a physical burden. It refers to a physical or a moral burden. Basically, we could say, is any one of you struggling? Struggling physically with a disease? Struggling spiritually with a a sin? And it's not simply referring to a common infirmity. It wasn't referring to someone who just maybe has influenza. It was referring to someone who was so sick or so troubled that he or she could not come before the elders. So what did this sick person have to do? It says, let the sick summon the elders to come to them. They were so sick they couldn't even get to the house of God. Let them call for the elders. It refers to any degree of sickness, even to The most. We can think of it as a person who was homebound. 
So he sent word to the church. He sent word to the deacon. The elder says, I need people to come pray for me. I can't even get to the house of God to get encouraged. Bring the house of God here. And so it says, the sick person should call the elders. Here's what we need to understand. First, the sick person needs to have faith. You were never going to call on a doctor if you don't believe that doctor can heal you. Why don't most, why are, why are the shut-ins at home who, who are going through infirmities not calling on the elders? Because they don't believe in the power of Scripture that says the elders will pray and healing will take place. You see, if the sick people were sick, maybe they would be calling more often. If the sick people had faith, they would be calling more often. But you might be asking, well, pastor, can't I just pray for myself? Do I have to call for the elder? Yeah, you can pray for yourself. You can and you should. Let me give you an example. Why does God tell us that the elders are to come and pray? Because it takes a healthy person to pray for the anointing on a sick person. If I have sickle cell anemia, then I'm not going to go pray for the healing of someone with sickle cell anemia. Do you see where I'm at? You don't send a sick person to go pray for the healing of another sick person. What you do is you call in the healthy people to come pray over an infirmity. So if I'm sick, evidently there's some kind of problem. And I need healthy people to come pray over me. If God has given me the anointing of health, I can pray for someone else who needs the anointing of health. This is why the oil was used. I'm about to break down a Baptist myth buster. The oil symbolized the transfer of an anointing. I'm going to tell you why. Jesus did not have to use anointing oil. Jesus was the anointed one. So here's what God is saying. Whenever you anoint with oil, oil was always symbolic in the Old Testament of an anointing being passed down. The first high priests were anointed and they would anoint the successive high priests. And anointing was passed down. Jesus never had to use the oil because Jesus was the anointed. But you and I have to use the oil because it symbolizes that there's something other than me that I'm trying to transfer upon somebody. It's not Jesse Watkins that's, that's here working a magnificent work. It's a power of God through faith that is not part of me, but I'm just here to convey it. That's what the oil is for. I am not the anointed one, so the only thing I have to transfer is what I have received from Jesus. The oil signifies that healing does not come from us. There are some... Uh, well, I would say this, if, if, you're a, if you're a televangelist and you give off the impression that if people come to your crusade, they will experience healing, one of the first things you're not doing is you're not equipping believers over the world to understand that believers can have the gift of healing, not just a televangelist. But also what happens is they are putting credit for healing on them. Now, I've been to some televangelist crusades, 
And I've seen some who take no credit. Matter of fact, I've been to crusades where people weren't even asked to come to a stage. They were said, you know what? You pray over people in the audience. Let healing occur where you are right around you. But what we have to make sure is that no one is saying that credit is of themselves for the healing. Jesus didn't have to use oil because he literally had the creative life force of the universe flowing in him. But our ability to play to, to pray does not come from an intrinsic quality. Do you know what intrinsic means? It means it's basic to our nature. An intrinsic quality of God is love. God is love. We do not have the intrinsic quality of love. Love has to come from God. And also, healing is not an intrinsic quality to the flesh. It's not something that's naturally there. No, everything spiritual is not basic to our nature. It is not intrinsic. It is simply something that God places on us because of His gift of faith. Now, some people walk away tonight and say, I think the pastor is a charismatic. He believes in the spiritual gifts. You know that charisma is a Greek word of the New Testament. And here's what it means. It means one endowed with spiritual gifts. Let me tell you something. Did you know that faith is a gift? And that if you have faith, the Holy Spirit has already given you something, and therefore you're as charismatic because you're carrying around the gift of faith? <laughs> you know what I believe? I believe that, uh, that preaching is a gift. I believe that administration is a spiritual gift. I believe that faith is a gift, so on and so forth. Some Baptists believe in, in, in just a few of the gifts, but then other Baptists believe in all the gifts. The gift of, of teaching is no different than the, than the gift of prophecy among the Spirit. He gives gifts to all. So what we're talking about is a gift that is commanded through Scripture to believers. So the sick must call for the elders, and secondly, the elders have faith. You can't call somebody that's going to be timid about going up there. And here's what I want you to know tonight. Who is an elder? Does Pastor Jesse qualify for an elder? I'm going to show you the scriptural qualification of an elder. First of all, let me tell you something. Here's one of the good things I like about this passage in James. It doesn't say the sick person should call for the pastor. You know why? Because spiritual gifts aren't limited to me. Thank you, Lord. The people of the church have spiritual gifts. That's the purpose of the body. Call for the elders. Call for the people of faith. So who are the elders? According to this definition, it would be the ones that have faith that healing is possible. Call for the elders, the ones who are faithful, the ones that believe in Scripture, the ones who, who uh, have that faith in God that his Scripture is true. That's the definition of an elder. I believe when young David was 14 or 15 and he stepped among the congregation of Israel and said, you know what, all you sissies won't fight the giant, I will. I believe young David was an elder on that day. He was setting an example through faith. We all have the ability to pray for people. I'll share something, not as a kick me down, but just as a truth. 
I was a little disappointed in. Sunday, we had the Sunday school teachers come down front and ask for people to come pray over the Sunday school teachers. Maybe you weren't here, so I'll fill you in. No one came down. And do you know we had six visitors in the congregation Sunday? I wonder how those visitors thought once they left. They realized that not a single person in the church would get up to come pray for our workers. That's not intended to be harsh. But sometimes the right hand of fellowship needs to be accompanied with the swift right foot of discipline. (laughs) Get us on track. And thank God we looked at Daniel Sunday night because one of the things we learned was it's okay to pray. It's okay to pray. And maybe, maybe you didn't feel spiritual enough to pray, but let me tell you something. That's the whole point. We don't pray because we are spiritual. We pray because we need spiritual. We don't pray because I, I have a hold of Jesus. I pray because I need Jesus. That's who prays. But that's okay. Because we walk away from here tonight knowing that I don't have to be, I don't have to be the, the chairman of Sunday school. I don't have to be on the deacon board to be considered a prayer warrior. And that's good. Verse 15 says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So we see that prayer answers sickness and it answers sin. I want to share with you a concept from Scripture tonight that the understanding of Judaism and from God's point of view where there was no difference in someone struggling with a physical sickness or a spiritual sickness. Both were considered a struggle. Whether it was in the physical, whether it was in the, the body or in the spirit, both was a struggle. I would go further to say that it would actually be much better to come under the influence of strep throat than it would be to come under the influence of idolatry. I would go as far as to say that a physical infirmity is not as serious as a spiritual infirmity. Because you know what? Man, we can smack out influenza. But adultery might take a little while. Idolatry might take a little while. You see where I'm at? It is possibly a more serious offense to God that he sees believers struggling with sin rather than struggling with cancer. You see, because cancer affects our body, but sin affects the spirit. Which one is more important? In the end, though, the two are related. We can look back to the garden and know that Adam and Eve had perfect health. We do know that the first sin ever committed was committed in the garden, and thus the fall in the garden unlocked the curse of sin. Sin came from the fall of the garden. What else came from the fall of the garden was the curse of sickness. Once you start realizing that sickness is a curse, you can start claiming the blessing. Sickness was also unlocked in the garden because we know that there was no death before the fall of sin. Adam and Eve There was no death. I don't know how long they existed with God. But there was no death before the fall. So the fall unlocked sickness on the body because death actually is a form of sickness. So what happened in the garden was that a curse was unlocked upon the body and the spirit. It wasn't just that where our sinful condition was marred. It was also that our health condition was marred. And see, here's what we believe. We have no problem believing that Jesus can fix this sin condition. But what about this one over here? 
Well, I guess Jesus just overlooks that. He doesn't care. No. They're interfixed. I believe a lot of sickness comes from the, what's called, the law was called the ministry of death. And a lot of sickness is because we walk around under our own condemnation. Condemnation in the spirit will manifest in the body as sickness. And if we're not walking around understanding the righteousness of Christ that has cleansed us, that condemnation is going to take root. When I was in college, went through about a depression, went to see a counselor. First thing that counselor asked me, how was your diet? I thought he was going to ask me, how am I doing spiritually? Like, am I having my devo-? He said, what are you eating? You know Why? Because what you eat physically has to do with how you feel spiritually and emotionally. We are not just a spirit, but we are mind, body, spirit. They're all together in the righteousness of Christ. And we need to focus on all of them. The curse was not just upon our spirit, but also upon our body. Why do people get old and die? Wouldn't it have been simply enough punishment for Adam to be exiled from the garden and to be spiritually separated? But no, it wasn't just a spiritual sickness. There was a bodily sickness as well. And that was death. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, check this out. A spiritual problem resulted in a physical punishment. The physical death came from a spiritual problem. The Lord is continuing to show me that the body and the spirit are tied together in Scripture. If the spirit is whole, the body should be whole too. We see during the, hearing, the healing miracles of Jesus that when he healed someone, he also forgave their sin as well. Why is this? Because Jesus always wanted to pair physical wholeness with spiritual wholeness. They go hand in hand. Lastly, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This healing spoke about in verse 16 is referring to anyone struggling with sin or sickness. Because we always say, listen, if you've got a problem in your body, come up, we're going to pray for you. But too often do, are we open enough to say, listen, If there is a a moral sickness, we're going to pray over you as well. And let me tell you something. The range of moral sickness is something that all of us can be honest about. It's not just that maybe you're backslidden and so far from God that you're lost. A moral sickness can manifest in a lack of prayer time. A moral sickness can manifest itself in not being obedient to God's word. There are many degrees, just as many degrees of physical sickness, many degrees of moral sickness that can take place in a Christian's life as well. And we need to be open enough to say, hey, we want to pray for those people. Not just to put on the facade and our Sunday suit and come around and smile and go home. We've got to get real for healing to take place. The reason we confess our sins to each other, listen to this, is not because another person can forgive our sin. 
the reason the Bible says confess your sins one to another is because once I get my moral struggle off my chest and I find now a partner to hold me accountable, it allows my heart to enter the healing process. See, if I'm struggling with something, there's no healing going to take place as long as I'm struggling. But if I come to my brother and I share my struggle, Thank God, I've got it off my chest. And now healing can start taking place. If you confess your sins to one another, if you confess your faults to one another, you will be healed. What is the also the opposite truth? If you don't confess your faults, no healing will take place. If we don't come to our brother and sister in Christ and tell them our struggles, we're still going to struggle. During my tenure in youth ministry, a great area of addressing was the fact of the problem of pornography. And let me tell you, it is a rampant problem. Because it's not like it was 50 years ago. You had to go down to some dirty store and actually pay for something but now these 15 year old boys their mom and dad gets them a laptop computer in one second they can have access to anything no accountability the first thing I tell parents don't ever put a computer in your child's bedroom the best place to put it would probably be no I won't even go there probably in the kitchen <laughs> But I talked to teenage boys. I said, listen, guys, let's get real. Because there's 10 of you here. I guarantee seven of you are struggling. Once we got real, then we could talk about it. This is the last part. It says, the fervent prayer. The heartfelt petition. The urgent, personal Prayer. How many of us are praying fervent prayers? Are we praying robotic prayers? Listen, I thank God that I don't have to hold a beaded necklace and repeat something 50 times to have access into the throne room. I'm going to go straight to God with a fervent prayer and I'm going to grab, cold, grab hold of, uh, of his tassel to reach for that anointing. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. Who is the righteous? It's the one that has the boldness and, and understands that he has access into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, just like the high priest. That's the one who is righteous. Not because of his own doing, but because of his understanding that I am righteous before Christ. Only the righteous who understand the righteousness will have the faith to say, God, I believe healing is possible. Because listen to me, if you believe God's angry with you because something going on in your life right now, you'll never have the spiritual power to think you can have authority over the evil realm. But once you understand your righteousness in Christ, then you can have that boldness, the fervent prayer of a righteous man. Because I'm not going to spend 30 minutes saying, Oh, God. I've just been so bad. Listen, God knows you're bad. The scripture says, go let a brother in Christ know you're bad. Tell someone what you're struggling with. Get over it. God's not wanting to wipe our nose for 30 minutes. 
He's ready for some fervent prayers of movement in the kingdom. And lastly, that it availeth much. I looked up that word availeth and here's what it means. It's like an electrical wire. And when that power is turned on, that wire is energized with current. I want you to think of the supernatural realm as this network of fibers that connect God to the whole universe. And that prayer energizes that fiber. That power flows through it at the flick of a switch when we pray fervently. So this is our litmus test of obedience. Scripture says if any are sick, let the elders pray. I'm going to ask, do we have any elders that will pray? If you say, you know what, Pastor Jesse, I'm not a spiritual person, but I believe in authority through Christ. You will be an elder to pray. Would you step forward? Say, I'll be an elder. It doesn't have to be many, but a few. See, here's what I envisioned. I envisioned about three, three elders praying over the sick. But God had a different plan. God has a plan of many elders who realize their authority in Christ Jesus. This was what I want us to do. I want us to touch hand on a shoulder to shoulder and unite as a network of elders. And I want you to pray for the brother and sister in Christ on your left and on your right. And if there is a sickness, you speak to your brother or sister on your left, say, listen, I'm having a problem in my back. Listen, I'm having a problem in, in my stomach. I'm having a problem in my shoulder. Speak to someone. Because the elders need prayer too. Let's have a time of prayer for a few minutes. Praying for our brothers and sisters on our Left and right. You go ahead and start praying. Father God, I just thank you for this scripture tonight. I thank you for believers who understand the authority that we find in Christ. I thank you for your power that comes through your Holy Spirit. And the anointing that is not of our own, but comes through Jesus Christ. That he was the anointed one. And he has passed it down. And we are carriers of that anointing. God, I pray for boldness over sickness I pray for boldness over any spiritual or physical infirmity in Jesus' name. As these prayer warriors are lifting one another up, God, we come against the evil realm in any manifestation that it has no place in the righteous body of a believer. We claim that sanctification, not just in our spirit, but also against any infirmity. We came that, that righteousness against any moral struggle that a believer has experienced in tonight. That it is cast out in Jesus' name.
God, we pray for spiritual awakening in our own hearts, in our own bones, to the very core of our body, that you would take this, this, this 10-month journey through the book of James to build up our faith, to build up our courage, to build up our boldness. To know that it doesn't have to be at a church service that healing takes place, but it can be at a hospital room. It could be at a believer's house. It could be at a sick person's house. And give the elders the faith to do so and to claim that in Jesus' name. And Father... I thank you for a church that believes in prayer. I thank you that a church that is not limited to just a a marquee, but is limited by the power of your scripture, but is rather unlimited through the authority in Christ. We thank you for the mighty things that you have done and will do in this place. And all God's people said, can we celebrate God tonight? Amen!